In a stinking room, boxed off with fencing into separate cells, were scrums of small, yipping dogs. Among them was Max, a skinny mixed-breed hound, mostly black, with a whippy tail, a white neck, and brown spots above his dark eyes. He had an underbite on one side, which gave him a world-wise air, as if he had already done time. And he could leap higher than the other dogs competing for attention. We selected him immediately, struck by his electric energy. He was also small, destined not to top thirty pounds, but rippling with muscle even as a pup. He seemed the canine equivalent of a lightweight boxer. This was the first of many deceptions. Max had not, we would learn, acquired the build of a disciplined prize fighter. He had the rough-hewn frame of the inmate, a retrobate training for escape. We brought him home. My father had been raised with hunting dogs, and later, because his father had been blinded in a hunting accident, had lived with seeing-eye dogs, too. He expected rules. Rules were imposed. Max could not venture upstairs. He could not put a paw on furniture. He was quickly house-trained. Binghamton had a leash law and a dog catcher, and so Max was expected to stay home, fenced in the yard, except when out with the kids, when he was to be kept close. Like many rules, all of these sounded sensible on day one. But a home is no Alcatraz. Any notion of confining Max faced a reality. Max. Our yard was fenced. Max dug under the fence and roamed. We retrieved him each time, sometimes after hours, other times after days. A new plan was found. We would drive a stake into the soil and tie him to it, with perhaps twenty-five or thirty feet of play. Max briefly puzzled through this new form of confinement, wearing the grass into mud. Then he forced his will upon his circumstances and bent the world back to his command. First he pulled up the stakes, even corkscrew-shaped stakes twisted into the soil. Again and again he ran free, dragging a rope behind him. We kept trying. So did Max. One day he ended any notion of confinement by chain or rope. After tying him to a post, we returned home to find no dog. Instead, the rope was leading up over the six-foot stockade fence. This was a chilling moment for a boy aged ten or twelve. My dog, it seemed, had hung himself. He was a prison suicide. But when we scrambled to the property line and looked down into our neighbor's yard, we found only his collar hanging there in the air, several feet above the ground. Max had slipped through and dropped to the opposite side. Gone. If the yard could not contain Max, neither could the house. To each of us, Max was a delight, a deeply affectionate friend, a rascal with charm. But he was his own dog, and if he drew physical and social sustenance from us, he communed as well in another world. He was, and let's be clear, an animal more comfortable in the animal realm. We, it seemed, were the bandit's safe house. He would run himself hard outside and come inside for food and sleep. Sleep was sometimes one of his many deceptions. When Max was ready to go outside, he was ready to go outside. When we opened the door, say to check for mail or to head to school, he would dash past our shins with an athleticism and determination that bordered upon maniacal. 
Sometimes we managed to catch him as he exploded past. But usually our hands slipped off of him as if he were a greased eel. Once outside, Max was the real Max. It was not pretty. And those who lived near us must have thought us mad. He raided our neighbor's garbage, knocking over cans and scattering scraps. He hunted anything smaller than he was. He leaped into the air to snatch flies with a snap of his snout. Once we saw him attack a nest of yellow jackets. Let's just say he was enthusiastic, clever, and addicted to an adrenaline buzz. None of this should be confused with smarts. He strutted past the fences that confined the neighborhood's other dogs and taunted them. But eventually Max would grow bored and walk away. The unconfined prince of John.